say happy Father's Day 2022. Can we put our hands together for all the dads out there? I wanna say welcome to our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus, all those watching online, maybe someone who might watch this message later. We're so thankful that you've joined us. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter three. We're gonna look at a very critical verse for dads. It's gonna take me a minute to get there, but uh, I tell you, it's, it's amazing to see what God's doing among men, among dads here at Milestone Church. Um, I just, I get emotional just seeing the stories, uh, the baptism, seeing husbands and wives. Um, Dr. Chata, <laughs> the, whole, the whole story, I, I'm sorry, I've been kind of saving a cry a little bit on the front row. It's probably not good that I waited till I got up here, but you ever had that thing you're trying to push down in there and then it just comes out when you're talking, but uh, it's, it's just amazing and I'm so proud of all of you dads this weekend. I wanna share something with you I think will help you. I'm for you, I believe in you, it's a passion of mine and I wanna encourage you this Father's Day weekend. Um, now, the truth is, it's not really hard to be good on Father's Day because uh, Father's Day is in like 10th place to Mother's Day. Y'all know what I'm saying. When you look at the ads for Mother's Day, it's like $3,000 diamond earrings. When you look at Father's Day, it's like cargo shorts from Target. Y'all know, I mean, it's like, it's like, we'll get you a grill so you can make yourself something to eat on Father's Day, and if you're not grilling for yourself, here's another good thing today. If you're wondering about what you'll do for lunch, then you, you, you're really in good shape because on Mother's Day, I know I plan the Mother's Day lunch, and you call three weeks out, and they're like, we have no availability. Here's the good news today. Take 25 people to any restaurant, and the hostess will be like, right this way, where we have a seat for you, right here. It's all good. Come on. So... <laughs> So, so maybe it's a little under-celebrated in culture, but I wanna celebrate with you today, Father's Day weekend. It's gonna be a powerful time together. I have a verse for you before we get to the book of Matthew, and that is a verse of scripture that's been a theme for me for the last several years, and it says this in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win, run to win. Paul the apostle there is talking about living your life for a target that matters. Living your life to actually win at something that really is valuable and he's talking about crowns and eternal value and things that really matter. In my early 20s, I began to just get supernaturally passionate about discipling men. I began to say, you know, I don't wanna be a superstar. I don't wanna, whatever that is, I, I wanna be a super coach to men. I wanna pour my life into them. I began to read the Gospels. I began to see Jesus living his life to disciple others. I began to realize that just merely giving cute and creative content was not going to cut it. The transformation happened through something called discipleship. And a lot of people talk about it, but I decided, Lord, if you'll help me, I wanna do it. And I literally would read the Gospels. I would, I would read the Great Commission. I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but I can remember reading it and my, my insides would be on fire and, and began to burn with that passion. And then as we planted Milestone Church, 
Um, I, I began to invest in men and began to disciple them and began to coach them. And back in the day when it wasn't like a Father's Day weekend is this weekend, we didn't have any money to give you a gift. I, I got a good gift for you now. But back then, we just had me in a three-piece suit and just a cafetorium. But uh, I, I began to, to pour into men, and our team did, and, and began to invest, and, and literally about... Five years ago, we began as a team and, and, and several of our, our team members began to come together and said, let's pull together some of the content and some of the things that we've been using to be able to invest in men. Pastor Jed Walker kind of captained the team. There's no way the resource, the book, Way to Win, if you don't have one, I'm not selling a book this weekend with my message, but I wanna refer to it because it's important. And at the end, if you don't have one, I'm gonna give you one, okay? Here at Milestone, this is not about just promoting resources, it's about helping you become who you're called to be. But about five years ago, we began to start consolidating and collaborating on what are some of the tools that, that men need. And, and we came together and, and put it into this book called Way to Win. Three years ago, I was so passionate about the topic that I began to finish my advanced degree. I have a, a, an undergrad degree from Baylor University. That's Jerusalem on the Brazos. If you've never been there, that's where God lives here on I-35. I finished a master's degree early in the life of Milestone and I wanted to complete and finish my doctorate degree. And uh, I did, during the study, I did make my kids practice calling me doctor all three years, but they didn't cooperate. Uh, but really the truth is I did it for a few reasons. One, I, it was something that I always knew I wanted to do, but really it had more meaning at this stage of my life. Uh, we have a college where we're training up the next generation, Milestone College, to be leaders to advance the cause of Christ in the future. And so I did it for that, but I studied the topic that I'm sharing with you this weekend, and, and I wanted to bring you in on it. So I, I spent three years working on a doctorate degree that I recently completed, and I spent an intense amount of time researching and studying and, and, and theologically and practically and empirically studying where men are in our culture, but more specifically looking at and investigating how we're reaching men here at Milestone Church. And I wanna tell you how proud I am of all of you. What we're seeing is unprecedented and, and, and what we're experiencing is amazing as I began to really dive into the details of it. Let me also say to, to ladies, you're like, well, Pastor Jeff, you're gonna preach on winning and you're preaching on Father's Day. And, and, and I wanna say this, that first of all, that when you reach men, the scriptures tell us that many times when a man comes to Christ, his entire family and his whole household is saved. Let me, let me say to you ladies today that we live in a world today where there's gender competition, there's no competition, we're all in this race together. And when men become spiritually healthy, it's only to the benefit of women and children flourishing. They become more of who they're called to be because this is not some positional title and some abusive authoritative structure. It's really the fact that we're all together in this journey spiritually and I'm passionate about men becoming who they're called to be and women and children and kids and families actually flourishing. So the theme of this weekend, Father's Day weekend for you, for all of you dads and really for all of us is this, I want you to win and what really matters. I wanna to say to you, if you get nothing else out of this message to all of you dads, your influence 
is great. Your influence is huge. Your impact is massive. You matter. You matter, and you can't just live your life for your, only for your flippant hobbies or for more things in your life that rack up trophies. Your spiritual deposit is massive. It's massive. And so I want you to be able to do this. Now, I know, though, when I say your influence is great, when I say you impact your whole household, I know that there is something inside of you that you don't tell anyone else. You're like, Pastor, I know how to do this. I know how to close a deal. I know how to hunt down animals. I know how to buy super toys. I know how to enjoy a football game with my friends, but I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to be spiritually influential. And the truth is, many times we don't show it, but we feel inadequate in the process. Inside of all of us is this kind of nagging voice that says, I, I don't know. In years of coaching and developing men, it's amazing to me, you can have a guy who can go out and conquer the world in so many areas, but can't pray with his family. Totally the most intimidating thing in his life to read scripture maybe with his family. I wanna help you win at what really matters. And so a lot of times we fake it till we make it. We gravitate toward that which we actually win at, and we leave behind these things that are huge deposits, not only in us, but in those that will follow us, the generational deposit and blessing that we will give away. So I wanna help you and equip you with that. I know we all have those big moments where we're kinda like, man, this is a big responsibility. I remember when I held my first baby girl who texted me this morning. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, the, the love from your children, seeing you become the man of God you're called to be, there is no trophy that it all pales in comparison. It all pales in comparison to it. But I remember when I held her, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm responsible for a human life. Thank God I had her mother to actually raise her. <laughs> but I remember feeling the weight of that responsibility. And it doesn't stop as your children, as your responsibilities grow, as you begin to say, hey, I wanna grow spiritually, it just kinda continues. I remember one of my big moments, one of my favorite stories to tell is when she, my first kid, drove away in a motorized vehicle. That was a big dad day for me. I'm thinking, this is too much responsibility. This is too much. She shouldn't be in that car. She shouldn't be leaving my house. I want her in a controlled environment. But she did drive away and my prayer life went up. Y'all know what I'm saying? She drove away. I'll never forget, I waited for her to come home. I waited and I waited. I waited and I waited. I stood on the front porch. I paced back and forth, had my shirt off. I became my dad. Y'all know what I'm saying? Don't picture it. Sorry, sorry for my neighbors. My neighbor actually joined the church recently. He saw it. Yeah, Troy, if you're out there. But I was just, just pacing up and down. She pulls up out there on the street. She gets out of the car, she's bebopping up the sidewalk. I notice she has no right front hubcap. You left with all four. You came back with three. I asked her, I said, girl, where's your hubcap? And I thought I would get some kind of sane response. She said to me, dad, what's a hubcap? I thought, I have failed as a dad. 
I'm gonna have to send her away to college, oh my gosh. And you have those moments as a dad where you're like, am I giving everything that I'm responsible to give? And many times you feel like you're coming up short, not just in a humorous thing like a hubcap, but in all areas of life. I wanna take you to the main central place where a man is able to have what he needs even when he feels inadequate. The main place you go is not more bravado. It's not more of your own strength. It's not more of your own ability and it's not even more of the right techniques. The central place where you have internally the affirmation you need to give affirmation to the things that are important. Let me say this dads, your affirmation of your children is massive. No other voice no other voice. Moms, your voice is important. You kind of encourage us. Thank you for praying us into the kingdom. Thank you for that. But let me just tell you, there is something about the voice of a dad when he looks at his daughter and says, you are beautiful to me. When he looks at his son and says, you have what it takes to be who God's called you to be. It sinks into their soul. When the world is shaking and you're you're required or called to give some kind of stability. How do you find that stability when you feel insecure yourself? How do you find it when you don't really know exactly what you're supposed to offer? This passage in Matthew chapter three shows us Jesus Christ, the Son of God, perfect in all of his Godness. But I think we forget a lot of times Jesus also lived fully God, but also fully man. He lived as one of us. The Bible says he was tempted with every temptation we would ever have. He lived in this same world that we live in. He was a son. He was a part of a family. He did have a lot of those things that, he, that we face. If he was tempted with every temptation and passed all the temptations, he had the same insecurities and fears that would come his way. And so Jesus here in Matthew chapter three, looking here at verse 13, I wanna, I wanna give you a little setup for a minute. Jesus now is, 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 is almost to the place where he's about to launch his public ministry. He's in his early 30s. And church tradition and scholars believe that actually Jesus, his father Joseph, and we don't, it's no point of argument or contention, but a lot of scholars believe for multiple factors as oral tradition passed down that his father has passed away. And he's responsible for the family. And so Jesus is in this moment here, he's done, I wanna, I wanna remind you, he's done no public ministry. He's taught no great amazing messages that will end up in the Bible. He's healed no one. He simply lived a life that, by the way, by his cultural standards, he would have not been married. He didn't have children. He didn't have a successful business. He had no identifying qualities as you are successful. And yet, in this moment, ironically enough, here on baptism weekend, at Jesus' baptism, it says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness, and then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting 
on him. By the way, there's something powerful that happens here and notice Jesus, we're gonna hear in a minute from the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the Godhead, all one yet three are present in this moment. All present here. And a voice from heaven said this, this is my son in whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. How did Jesus do what he did? I know we hear stories from preachers that, you know, if there was a train headed your way, God would put his son on the track for you. And I know God, again, intentionally gives his son as a sacrifice, and we celebrate that. But make no mistake, when you have a thorough understanding of the Gospels and you see the life of Jesus, Jesus did what he did to please his Father. It was the affirmation that came out of heaven, that came to him through those words before he ever did anything. When he was being developed in obscurity, when no one was making any social media post about him, when he had no celebration from people around him, it was him in those places as he was honoring his father, where in that moment he said, this is my son, I love him, and I'm pleased with him. I want you to know today when we have a Father's Day, a lot of times we begin to reflect not only on our inadequacies or responsibilities as fathers, but we also begin to think of our own earthly fathers a little bit. And some of you may even say, well, I haven't had that affirmation or I haven't had that strength or here's what I've learned about men. Inside of every man is a young boy seeking for I love you. I'm pleased with you, and I'm proud of you. There's no human being that can offer enough of those words to you to give you the strength to honor God when it's hard. There's no human being that can fuel you with enough strength when you have the responsibility to offer strength to the people around you. And so I know many of us may feel like, well, I don't know if I have that around my life. I don't have it in the natural. My own dad, who I'm so thankful for, My own father lost his dad in a car accident tragically at nine years old. And I remember along the way as I would grow, I would talk with him some about that. And and he would share things with me. He said, you know, Jeff, when I was a boy, it would would really hurt my heart when, when, when guys would like talk disrespectful about their dads. My old man, you know, more and more increasingly over the last 30 to 40 years, The picture of a man, no longer a man who serves, a man who honors, a man who has integrity, but think about every movie. It's the idiot guy sitting in a recliner who only knows how to win at his hobbies, who's cracking beer cans over his head, who everybody in the family makes fun of. He said, well, it always hurt my heart because they're talking bad about their dad, but I didn't have one. And you know, my dad along the way, Not a perfect dad, but the deposit that he poured into me is a testimony to me because he lost his dad at nine years old. And I think about how supernaturally, no matter where we're coming from, supernaturally God offered to him things and a deposit for him. It's it's the word of God. You've heard me say that I started reading the book of Proverbs as a kid. Why did I read the book of Proverbs as a kid? Because Proverbs was the wisdom of a dad to my dad. And because of that deposit, he said, Jeff, I want you to have that wisdom. 
Some of you say, Pastor Jeff, where do you get wisdom? It doesn't fall out of the sky. It doesn't come from watching the news. It comes from you getting absorbed in the word of God to learn how God thinks. So none of us, I know we can have some challenging stories and after almost 30 years of ministering to men, I've heard a lot of them and I'm not being insensitive. But at some point, we've gotta move away from that young boy who says, here's what I didn't have, here's what I don't have, here's the need I have for approval, and at some point, we've gotta move from the boy to the man. Some point, we've gotta move to the man who says, I have everything I need because I have a heavenly Father who affirms of me and loves me, and I don't do it for the approval of others, but I do it for his approval, and I'm fueled by, I do it for Jesus. You say, Pastor Jeff, you spent three years studying men and researching all across the country and researching us, and I thought this Father's Day weekend, I just would share with you, here's some of the things that I've learned. Here's some of the things I've learned in practical hands-on working with men, and here's some of the things I've learned in just looking at what do dads need to win at what matters. Number one, we need the right scoreboard. We need the right scoreboard, by the way, Men, and even women, and all of us, any competitive people out there, but especially men, we keep score. I don't know who's running the little league things today that says we don't keep score. We keep score. If you're not keeping score, let me just tell you, you can say everybody gets a trophy, but there's some guys out there that are keeping score and going, your tro trophy's a fake, mine's real. <laughs> because men keep score. They're always keeping score at everything in their lives. In my household, we didn't give away trophies. I tried to dominate my kids at every game, and if I had to cheat to win, I didn't tell them it don't matter because you're gonna lose. <laughs> don't come try to fight a grown man. He'll pull a pocket knife. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like but, but the thing is, we have a scoreboard in our lives. We have multiple scoreboards. Our career, our investment accounts, and after years and years of working with men, and by the way, sitting at the bedside of men, here's what I've learned. I learned this early as a pastor in one of my first funerals that I did and sitting with a man who was dying. I learned this, that on the deathbed of your life, when everything's being evaluated, what you're not talking about is most of the time the scoreboards that we keep. You're not talking about those investment accounts or those career achievements or what your title was before you retired. You're talking about other scoreboards. So one of my desires for you is to give you permission. Really, that's a lot of times what a pastor does. In the equipping process is to be a voice, a voice of permission to prioritize what matters. To get a scoreboard, because the worst thing in life is not to have a scoreboard that you think you're losing at, the worst thing in life is to light up a scoreboard and realize you are playing the wrong game. You're playing a game that doesn't even matter. 63% of dads say, I wish I spent more time with my children. 63% of dads say, I wish I would have invested more with my children. The problem with that is, if your scoreboard is only your monetary value, if your scoreboard is only your achievements, did you know every open door may not be a God door? There may be times and seasons in the life of your family where you have to say, you know what? We're settling here. We're focusing here. I may not be able to do that because I'm going to focus on this or I'm going to focus on that. I wanna give you permission to put a scoreboard in front of your life 
that really matters. We got a prayer request this week. I'm talking about a scoreboard that matters. We got a, a prayer, actually testimony of some prayer requests that were sent in. And we got this just this last week. Every week I come to Milestone and I pray my son will speak to me. Our communication has been cut off due to political differences, so common in the last few years, very tragic. Last Sunday during service, he broke the silence of two years and he sent me a message. We're finally working on mending our relationship. All the praise to Jesus Christ. That is a scoreboard that matters. That is a scoreboard that matters. I want you to win at what matters most. The second thing is, I wanna give you something that dads need, and that is dads need development in the areas that matter most. We give attention to certain things, and the things we give attention to, we get better at, we grow at. I've had men say, well, I can't learn the Bible. Well, look, if you read the Bible as much as you watch ESPN, you would know it by now. It's all about what you focus on. It's all about what you prioritize. And so many, what I've learned is many men, they have a desire to grow, they have a hunger to grow, but they need development in the areas that really matter. And here's what I've learned, and I wanna encourage you because I'm not preaching at you, I'm actually very encouraged by you. Over the years of you guys getting in men's small groups and the connection uh, that you're finding and the development that you're prioritizing, this is unprecedented. Maybe intuitively you know this, but, but for, for years and years and years, ladies, thank you for holding this thing called the church together. Thank you, my mom, before my dad went to church, my mom took me to church. My parents are really first generation Christians who, who again, my dad, he was like, I don't know if the church matters, I don't know if it's valuable, isn't that just where codependent people go and eat potluck? I, yeah, let's talk about it in church, that's how most men feel. I don't need that in my life because we haven't shown you the value of what is provided in an atmosphere that actually grows you in what you care about. So thank God for the ladies that have prayed, that have served, that have, but here at Milestone, you may intuitively know this, percentage-wise across the country, by and large, most engaged followers of Christ are ladies. Not the case here at Milestone. It's 50-50, really, with the involvement and the men that are bringing their families to church and involved in the kingdom of God, and I wanna say, I'm very, very proud of you. There's no gap there. But let's get the areas of development that you need. I wanna show you this. Here's some of the areas that you want that development, that you need that development that we've seen. I, I call this area, we wanna make you rich where you're poor. Because you may have riches in areas, but it be in poverty of soul. And here's the areas that I've seen that are an identified area that you need these deposits. First of all, you need coaching and you need a team. That's really what the church is. It's an environment where you can get a team of others that are trying to accomplish where you're trying to go. And individuals do not win championships, but teams win championships. In the Bible you say, is that biblical? It's 100% biblical. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so when spiritual men get with other men, and, and, and I know a lot of times men think, well that's where all the guys who have it all together are. No, it's a team of people at multiple stages of development. And you need that coaching, you need that equipping. I write about it in the book in Way to Win. When we were writing the book in 2018, in the NFL, the playoff season that year, all 12 teams in the playoffs, 
Every single coach could be tracked back to Bill Walsh or Bill Parcells because winners are around winners. And, and that's just what happens. You don't attract what you want, you attract what you are. So I would encourage you as men to put yourself in environments where you see there are men who can help you with praying with your wife, who can help you in your marriage, who can help you become who God's called you to be. Here's the next one. I, I wanna learn how to receive from the Bible. Not just listen to a message, not just read the words on the page, but how do I learn how to receive from the Bible? And this is one of the big transitions that we have to make in our culture today. We think it's merely being exposed to content, but for centuries, the way the church learns scripture is it's studied within the context of these relationships. So what I find is when a man is isolated, when he feels isolated, and he's just simply trying to grow on his own, he doesn't become everything he's called to be. But when he gets involved in a men's small group, when he starts engaging with the church, when he starts prioritizing Sunday, the church, the house of God, to hear the word of God and not just his golf game, because if that gets better, his family may not get better. And then he begins to receive from the word, which is ultimately where growth happens. I've heard this line hundreds of times. I have no other place when men get together in a group. I have no other place in my life where I can talk about this kind of stuff. I have no other place. Everywhere else in my life, they need something from me. They have a demand on me. And what happens is if a man doesn't have that, he moves further and further into spiritual isolation and the enemy continues to beat him up. They wanna know, men wanna know, how do I spiritually lead my home? You hear a pastor like me say, you're the priest, you're the spiritual leader of your home, and men say, I don't know how to do that. I feel inadequate to know how to do that, and here's why this is important. If you feel inadequate, but you don't get encouragement, you move away from games you don't feel like you're winning at. So you move away from the home when it's like, I don't know how to do this with my kids. Oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go with this. Now they're teenagers. Now there's all these issues and I'm not equipped for this. Start to have marital challenges. You start to have circumstances in your life. Wanna see you become the spiritual leaders of your home. How do I build my character? How do I build character? Character ultimately will sustain you for the long haul. Your charisma and your giftings can open doors and open up accounts that you can't pay the bill on. And so building you in your character, how do you be a man of God in the marketplace, in the workplace? How do you be a man of God and not have a separation between who you are at work and who you are on Sunday and who you are over here? And, and, and it becomes something that you become equipped in to build your character. Here's the final one that I've learned, how to live with purpose and mission. See, I, I know this about men. I, it's, it's true of, of, of multiple things, and it can be kids, teenagers, wives, but here's something I wanna say specifically. Men are make it happen people. That's why I love you guys are involved in Serve Day where we had 3,700 volunteers clearing code violations, making a difference. It's why you made a difference when Ice Mageddon came. You started rolling up in your four-wheel drives. You know, you got that $100,000 four-wheel drive, maybe 125 because you got a lift kit on it. You got lights that you don't need. You got it all, but you told your wife, I bought it for Jesus. That's what I did it for. I got it for Christ. I did it for the kingdom vision. 
But it's amazing, you start loading up firewood, you start just making a difference, and, and here's, here's the connection. When you make the connection that the way God's made you, that you can be a marketplace leader, that you can be a coach or a teacher or a whatever it is God has for you, an accountant, when you make the connection that you can bring your what's quote unquote many times called your secular life in connection with your spiritual life, a dynamic goes off. Because most men think, look, that part of this thing is not who I am. And when you begin to see your purpose and your mission and your calling, let me just say this, powerful things begin to happen. And by the way, God starts getting involved in what you're doing. Have you invited God's mission into your work life? Have you invited God's mission into what you do? Because the Bible says if you'll seek first his kingdom, he's going to add the things you need if you have on your heart his agenda. You may see your prayers start getting answered if you actually have his agenda. When we get on his agenda, he starts getting involved in the things that are involved in, within our lives. And so that clarity of connection and purpose. Here's what I've seen when this starts to happen. In the last few months, we've seen 75 adult men give their heart and life to Christ and be water baptized. We saw it in this very service. 21 of those 75 men being baptized with either their wife or their children. Let me just tell you something. That's how you change the world. You change the culture. One man saying, I will be a man of God. You change it at that basic level. We're trying to argue our way into changing the world. We're trying to politicize our way into changing the world. We're trying to look for some quick fix solution at the very core essence. This is how you change the world. I'm so proud of you men. I mean, it, my heart just just wells up when I, see, when I see this gentleman here with his wife getting water baptized. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed when I see that because that impacts generations. Here's the final thing, and I don't talk a lot about this in the book Way to Win. It's, this was a now word for you. As I prayed for you this week and I thought about Father's Day weekend, I, I never really even talked a lot about this. But I started thinking about Jesus and the confirmation of heaven and, and, and what is it that a dad really needs? What he needs is his authority from God. Authority, when I say that word, I mean there's so many opinions in our world today. I'm not talking about top-down authoritative structure. I'm not even talking about the title of dad. I'm not talking about the title of boss. I'm not talking about any human-made structure. I'm definitely not talking about abusive, controlling, positional environments. I mean, every now and then at my house, I'm like, y'all are all supposed to submit to me. I'm the priest of the house. It doesn't go that well. Come on, I've tried it. It doesn't really work. I'm not talking about anything human-made. Ultimately, when you know that you have God's authority, the Bible says Jesus spoke as one having authority. So when he spoke, atmospheres changed. What you ultimately need is not your authority, but the authority that comes from the confirmation of God in your life. And, and, and the, where that comes from, again, is the affirmation and fuel of your soul is to ultimately do it for Jesus, the strength. By the way, this is the enemy's strategy for you. This is the strategy of the enemy for me. Not perfect, going through challenges, 
don't wanna be transparent about it, but many times you feel inadequate. Man, I mean, you'll, you'll hit a family situation. It's like, like, I've said this for years, building a church, finishing a doctorate, doing amazing things, that's child's play compared to raising kids and leading a home. It's, it's child's play, why? There's variables, there's wills involved, there's choices involved, there's situations, there's demonic warfare, and a lot of times you're like, ah, don't know what to do with that one. What you need is the authority of God. You're like, my kids don't listen to me. Well, quit building on your authority and get some of the authority of God because when God talks to them, it begins to change the atmosphere. When God's authority is behind what you say, it begins to change it. And here's what I've learned. If the enemy can't defeat you when you have that authority, what he'll do is try to distract you. He'll distract you into trying to find your authority and affirmation in something else. He'll make you think you have no authority. He'll get you involved in the wrong things. He'll cause you to have some failures and some mess ups and some mistakes that you let yourself be defined by and ultimately say, look, I have no reputation. I'm speaking to a man right now, maybe online or here, who you've made some mistakes. You've messed up. You regret some things and you have, you've, you've had some embarrassment with your kids or your family or your children and here's what the enemy wants to believe. He wants you to believe this. You have no authority. You, 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 you just might as well take dad off your name. You're, you're finished. I wanna encourage you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. When you have transparency and honesty and authenticity and you begin to prioritize the right scoreboard and you begin to practice what you preach and grow and develop, there'll be no one celebrating more your growth than the people you love the most. The number one prayer request we get according to dads, I just wanna share with y'all, this is what happens. Wives praying for husbands. Kids praying for fathers. They, they look up to you. They, they love you. They value your voice. And you know what? They even know how to forgive you. But what they want from you is for you to take spiritual steps to become the man of God that you're called to be. And so don't let the enemy rob your authority. You're my son. I'm well pleased with you. And I love you before you achieve anything. I want you to know that today, this weekend. I'm gonna ask all the dads, if you would, to stand. I'm gonna ask you to stand on your feet. Every single dad. I want everybody to look around at all these great men of God that we have here. It's just amazing, amazing, amazing. Yeah, let's give them a round of applause. I'm so proud of you. I know many of you know this, but in 2019, I lost my dad and uh, I lost him um, in 2019, and, and, and it's really, I, I wanna tell you, when you lose your dad, it's one of them milestone markers in your life. And, um, and, and, and it fits with what I'm sharing with you today. I actually, Ryan, who was leading worship with like that mountain man beard, that's a beard of all beards, I mean, I'm gonna tell you. He should be proud of that beard. Um, Ryan recently lost his dad to COVID. And so last Saturday night, I was ministering to Ryan and, uh, and just talking to him about it. The challenge is when you lose your natural father, if you don't have a relationship with your natural father, the victories aren't as sweet because that's the first person you wanna call to celebrate with. And so it's a, it's a transition in your life where you have to lean more on the affirmation of the father. 
Oh, there's spiritual fathers and relationships. I've received texts today. You're like a son, but you're not my dad. It's not the same. But him, he can give you everything you need. You're not at a deficit if you never had a dad, if you've lost your dad, no matter where you're at, you're not at a deficit because God has, Jesus fills the gaps. He fills the gaps. And here's the second thing that happened for me is there became a greater eternal mindset. So can I just offer that to you, that learning thing? We as men, a greater eternal perspective. I wanna pray for you today. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. Father, I pray over these men of God, Lord. I pray for them. Maybe there's one of you here who say, Jeff, I'm, I'm not really surrendered to Jesus. I'm not really all in with Jesus. It's affecting things around my life. See, the enemy comes. I wanna say this to you. If you're, if you're not really right with Jesus, the enemy comes to still kill and destroy, but Jesus came that you might have life and life to the full. So don't let the enemy rob and steal from things around your life because you're not fully abandoned to Jesus. And if that's you, you just say, Jesus, I give it all to you. I surrender myself to you. I give you my life. I, 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 I step across the line. Maybe some of you have just kind of delayed that, just, just hoping you could kind of stay in adolescence for a while. But you're realizing what the people around your life, it's time. So right where you are, say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. You rose from the dead and I surrender my life to you and I submit my family to you in Jesus' name. I wanna keep everybody's head bowed. If you prayed that prayer with me, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. Grab the hand of someone at the end, fill out a connect card. We wanna help you learn how to grow in your relationship with Jesus. But second of all, Lord, I just pray for all of these dads. I pray your prayer of blessing over them. I pray that strength would come into them. It's, it's challenging many days. We're supposed to have answers and sometimes we don't. Inside of us is even a young boy that's still looking for some of that affirmation. Sometimes it's the fuel of why we achieve and why we drive forward. Lord, I pray today that the words you said to your own son, this is my son in whom I love and I am well pleased. Lord, let that sink into our souls. Let, us give, let it give us the strength that we need to be who you've called us to be, in Jesus' name.